Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you, y'all are great. Y'all are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I saw... Rock and Sue Light, did they leave or they move or they come to first service? Well, was, they'd have stuck around. I was going to honor them. So, yeah. Having a excited, we had a great first service and uh, enjoyed the worship. Wasn't it great worship? Yeah, really love it. And so, uh, title of the message is A Practical and Spiritual Guide to Busting Out of Discouragement. So a few few people might you don't want the whole church to to need it, but uh, you want you want somebody to hear the message. So we got some great response to that. So so I've uh, I came out of a season of a couple of months of just being discouraged. Uh, this philosopher ghost said, "Know yourself, yes. know yourself," and. Um, me, I'm, I can be a little up and down. I'm, a, I, I'm not a marathon guy, slow and steady. I'm a, I'm a sprinter and then I stop, you know, and uh, that happens in my work. And in my work, I'll do a, sometimes a year's worth of business in two or three months and then have bad months. Or I'll, uh, spiritually, sometimes I'm just on fire and then sometimes I'm not. Know yourself. Steady is, steady Eddie's good. My wife is steady, and uh, she's emotionally very, not only steady, but at a high level. Uh, kid, like, she's herself about 364 days a year. And so, I'd like to think that's just being married to me is what happened there, but uh, <laughs> it's just emanating off me, and she's just... <laughs> For the podcast, that's sarcasm. So if you get discouraged, the word discourage, encourage is a cool word. E-N is the word within. Courage is obviously courage. So when you encourage someone, you're building courage within them. Discourage, this is, uh, courage is dissipating. This isn't my favorite word. Disengage, dis-ease, dis Courage. I can get rid of dis from my vocabulary. And we'll just stay with encourage and enable. But what's the best way? If there's a muddy ditch here, what's the best way to get out of that muddy ditch? That's big old muddy sinkhole ditch. Best way to get out is to never get in. My wife just doesn't get in that ditch very often. But I'm going to talk to you about, um, I, for a couple months, I, I, I was in a ditch, January, February, I'd say. And um, so what gets you in there? I think to know what gets you there, know yourself, is helpful. Really helpful to stay out of it the next time. Yeah. And knowing how to get out. So we're going to talk about what gets some people in and how I, how I at least get out, and hopefully that 
be helpful to some, t- some of you. Sometimes circumstances in your life start to feel bigger than God. When David went down to the Saul and the army of Israel and Goliath was taunting the people of God. Can you imagine day after day he's taunting them? And he is uh, the king of trash talking and he was talking bad about them every day. And every one of them had a belief system that had Goliath bigger than their God. Until David arrived. And David saw it totally differently. And his God was much bigger than that taunting Goliath. And he showed him the way. So sometimes circumstances get bigger than they should. Sometimes it's natural. Sometimes uh, it's health reasons. People uh, get, get in a, you know, a health challenge that they just can't get out of or they lose hope that they're going to get over or their life feels different. Sometimes it's, it can be as simple as sleep or exercise or eating better food or hormones, but sometimes that can take us down. Sometimes we begin believing lies. And that voice of the enemy says, you're not, you can't, you won't, it won't happen. And our mindsets and the tapes that go on in our head are not tapes that are kingly, godly kingdom. The Bible says, think on these things, whatsoever things are true and pure and noble, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever, think on these things. We have to, we get, we have to, we get to be stewards of our mind, watchmen on the wall, protectors of the things that go in. Sometimes we believe lies. Sometimes we put too much emphasis on approval of others, fear of man. Sometimes we start messing with, letting things become too big and become idols. One of my favorite preachers of all time, Mark Rutland. Anybody heard him? Mark Rutland. Mark Rutland had the test, the Mark Rutland test to determine a false God. And it was this. He said, those times when you are just waking up, that little in between, half awake, half asleep, you know, when you don't have to get up on a Saturday morning, that's a beautiful time right there, isn't it? Like, Mm, maybe I'll look at the clock, but I don't really have to. That comatose time. Sometimes you hit that driving in Atlanta traffic. Like, you go like, man, I, that, I, 30 miles ago, I think I know where I was. <laughs> that thing when mine's on neutral. And Mark Rowland said, where... Where does your mind go then? And if it's always going to something not of the kingdom, worry, fret, anxiety, lust, wherever it's going, that could be an idol in your life. It's a great test, the Martin Rowland test to determine idol in your life. And there's socially acceptable idols in the Christian world. Can you think of any? You can't? Well, let me tell you. Sometimes, you know, 
food or Netflix, you know, kind of socially acceptable escapes, mindless beach novels, sports, entertainment, good things that could go too far. They're socially unacceptable, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, but there are things that we escape to when we're in pain that become idols in our life. And everybody has some form of escape or another, a little comfort, something here or there. And the Holy Spirit is there saying, I want to be Lord of your life. I want to be number one. So sometimes discouragement, we let it creep in. So step one to getting out of discouragement. Enough preacher talk on how you get in. You're probably like, I'd like to know how to get out. I know how to get in. Don't, it doesn't take a prophet to know how to get in. <laughs> the most important step is to decide to get out. I need to get out. Because inertia will just take you. Like day turns into weeks, and weeks can turn into months, and months can turn into years. And at some point, you have to get sick of your bad self, and say enough is enough, decide to decide, sick and tired of being sick and tired. As it says, the violent take it by force, and the bold, sometimes you could step up and be a man and say enough is enough. Deciding. So another way to get out of a spirit of discouragement is something we talk about around here, and that is hear the voice of the Lord. And when you hear it, run and obey. That's the surgical strike. That's the fine-tuned fix. That's the quick fix. When you hear the Lord, he says, do this, go there. I've been waiting on you to do that. It could be an area where you're just slow to obey. It could be an area of sin. It could be an area that you just, you just need to respond. Because in obedience, physical obedience, brings spiritual release. And even something that simple can pull you out of a little doldrum, a discouragement. Hear his voice and go run and obey. And like, oh, you're turned on. Your spirit's turned on. Oh, I heard you, God. Yeah, I know. And he lets me know what he heard me. And that encouragement can just like, oh, I'm, I'm back. I'm alive. My spirit man's alive. But if you don't get that, then you're searching. And Bill Johnson says, if when times get tough, refine your focus. And back in October of last year, we had a chance to sit with him with some other pastors. And he began to talk about this subject. He says, a season of review. Review what we know well as if we never knew it. Like, review. And I think about spring training right now. The Braves are in spring training. The athletes, the baseball players, they're reviewing things they've known their whole life. They've been playing since they're five years old. And they're learning to bunt again, to hit the cutoff man again, 
their stance again. They're reviewing things they know, simple fundamentals. And Bill was saying, preachers, review the things you know. It's like go to spring training. Review what it means to be born again. Review what it costs you to get there. He talked about, don't stay busy to silence the voice of pain. Busy is a social acceptable idol in America. Makes you feel important. I'm important. I'm busy. Let's all be busy. We're important. Got 300 emails today. I'm busy. I'm important. It's not a virtue. Busy's not a virtue. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. He said, disappointed, pain, losses. He's talking to preachers here. Things they deal with. Disappointment, pain, losses, criticism, betrayal. He said, I must trust with failure if I can be trusted with success. Refine focus when times are tough. Think about destiny versus loss. Loyalty versus betrayal. Favor versus loss. And I love this. He says, if I can't be entrusted with criticism, I can't be entrusted with praise. That'll kill a little fear of man. Can't get bitter when you're betrayed. He is our vindicator. He is our life. He is our provider. He is our bright and morning star. So I refine focus. And if I were to write you a prescription about how to get out of discouragement and you could only have one verse, it would be Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you're on a, if you're on a desert, deserted island and somebody did a brain dump where you forgot every verse you ever memorized, that wouldn't be a bad one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Bill said, refine focus. When I hear the scripture and his righteousness, He's put it on us, that he's imputed his righteousness to us. He's put it on us in the most beautiful of ways. Turn uh, with me. See how he does it. So when I'm, get, when I'm discouraged, I go to the word of God and I go to the gospel because the gospel is good news. And I encourage myself in the Lord. I preach the gospel to myself. And I remind myself that I'm chosen that I'm saved, that I'm part of the beloved. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I start looking for different aspects. You know, when I, the, the, you take a little diamond and you turn it, refract it, just slightly different. You, it looks different. The light shines on it. And almost every page of your, your Bible in the New Covenant, there is a new and different way of displaying the gospel. 
It's so beautiful. And I go on a search to find a new one because it encourages me in that way. Amen. My phone is moving apps all over the place, and I don't know. I think I'm about to say, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) So 2 Corinthians 5.21, beautiful verse. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I remind myself of the gospel. Jesus, God made this statement, the wages of sin is death. Tough verse. The wages of sin is death. And he made this other scripture, it is the will of God that all men would be saved. It's God's heart that everyone would be saved. But he has in in place this foundational stamp. The penalty for sin is death. Every one of us have sinned. We have a penalty for death. And yet it's his will that we all be saved. Seems like an impossible problem, a dilemma. And Jesus, from the very foundation of the world... It wasn't an oops when Adam sinned. God the Father didn't say, ooh, I didn't see this one coming. From the foundation of the world, Jesus was preparing, and he came as a man, took on flesh, walked a perfect life, took on every every pain, hurt, situation, every sin, every temptation you've ever imagined, he got it. And walk through it without sin, without bitterness, without anything. And God himself, Jesus is God, manifested in the flesh, got on that cross and willingly died for our sins. Pure righteousness became the penalty for that. The wages of sin is death. He answered that call. He answered justice's need. God of justice. See, God couldn't take back. He can't say the penalty for sin is death. And he's he's not like us that can say, oh, I didn't mean it. I take it back. Oops. He's not a man that he can lie. He laid it out there. It can't change. And yet it's his heart that all of us would be saved. And Jesus climbed on that cross, pure, holy, blameless, said, I'll pay that debt. And a substitution happened. His righteousness became mine. His righteousness became yours. And he looks at us. I put on just a prophetic act today. I have this white robe. It's like a bathrobe. I just put it on. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He has imputed your righteousness to me. By belief, you stepped into that robe. Not by your acts, works of righteousness. Ephesians 2. It's not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved you. I didn't earn it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Still, he gives his life away. Righteous. 
I get discouraged, I remind myself of the gospel. I preach the gospel to myself, and I get encouraged. Look at Romans 5.17. I like 5.17. I have a son's birthday on 5.17. Romans 5.17. Spiritual son, Romans on 3.17. For if by the transgression of the one... Death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace, that's us, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Have you heard reign in life around here? How do you reign in life? Well, you get abundant grace and you get the gift of righteousness through the one, Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 2, 4, here's the one that, that I was been looking for something I hadn't seen before. For by these he has granted to us his presence and magnificent promises. If you read the Bible looking for magnificent promises, you find them. You see what you're looking for. I read the Bible for many years of my Christian life not looking for magnificent promises. I didn't see them. Now I'm looking and they pop off the page. His precious, magnificent promises so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature. Whoa. Stop. When I read something crazy, I stop. I don't mindlessly just keep on going. You may be a partaker of the divine nature. He hung on a tree. He substituted life for you. And he made you righteous in Christ's eyes so that you might become a partaker of his divine nature. He wants you to be like him. Conform to the image of Christ. He calls you a son or daughter of the king. We talk about it a lot here. You know why we talk about it a lot here? Because it takes a lot of uh, talking about it and believing it to get in us. There's a lot in us that says, I don't know about that. Deeper one, and I'm looking for it every time to drive deeper, one centimeter deeper into my heart, my knower. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a partaker of the divine nature. That's why he died. And as it goes into my believer, I'm encouraged. Amen. My spirit man is encouraged. The life in me. We were singing about life tonight. That life in us is encouraged. We have a life in us that's different. And so I refine my focus. I also go to prayer. I get humble. I get accountable. <clears throat> so I, uh, I was discouraged. I went to home group. And Ron and Carolyn have a home group that we go to when we can. <clears throat> and... And I just said a couple weeks ago in the home group, hey, I need prayer. I'm just, I've been discouraged. Get hands laid on me. Prayer changes things. Effective, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. I know it's going to help. Accountability is important. 
Accountability is important. I, in my business, I used to, for 20 years, I would go once a month with seven other colleagues and we would we'd be accountable to each other for our progress the previous month. Some of the times it was boring. Some of the times it didn't help. Sometimes I felt like I went and helped someone. Sometimes, but once or twice a year, I came in need. I need help. Whether it's a small group, whatever it is. But, you, you know, any one meeting might not be that great. But you don't know the meeting when you need it. And you have to invest ahead. It's almost, it's almost like an emergency fund, your savings account, emergency fund. You got to invest in it for the day when you need it. It needs to be waiting on me when I need it. And so accountability and prayer. And it's gotten almost, almost in vogue to not need church. You notice that? Friends or family or social media? I think we need the church. We need the church. I think uh, one of the reasons is if you fall in love with someone, you're going to love what they love. If you fall in love, you know, there's some stuff Lindy loves that I don't necessarily love, but I need to love it because I love her. Like, I tell my kids, quit driving on my grass. If you love me, love my grass. <laughs> you're going to love someone, you got to love what they love. Get off my grass. Yeah, Vanessa loves my grass. She loves me. The more I fall in love with the Lord. I remember 12 years ago when Chris Falton said, you can do a school, but you got to do a church and a school. And I went, ooh. I didn't want to hear that. I had a heart, we had a heart to build a school. We'd been in a 12-year church plant that was really hard work. I knew how hard it is. He said, we don't do schools without churches. We do churches that have schools. What the Lord has done is I fall in love with the Lord. I fall in love with what he loves. He loves the church. I love the church. He's transformed that initial reaction. I love the church. He's coming back for a bride. Churches are imperfect because imperfect people go to them. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science. But we're coming, bless bride. We know we're destiny of a bride, a powerful, pure, spotless bride. We know where this thing's going so we can overcome imperfection to love what he loves. There's a special, special reward for those who stay in and work and make the church great, who see with spiritual eyes where he's going. And we need each other. You can go be an island and solo, but the people I've observed aren't generally thriving and they don't generally influence much because you can't influence much by yourself. We together can do some stuff. You and me alone can't do that much. 
One sends a thousand to flight. Two send the legions fleeing. And 300 can take a city. Let's do that. I'll sign up for that. I'm in for that. So we got to get to stay together. I need you. When I'm discouraged, I really need you. I need, because one of you might be the answer. You come up and just say something and it clicks. A prophetic word, a prayer, a breakthrough. We need each other. When I was 30, I didn't think I needed anybody. I thought I was bulletproof. At 60, I need some people. I need you people. I'm needy. Fifth one, gratitude and praise. Psalms 100, verse 4. Love Psalm 100. What we were just doing, we were entering his gates with thanksgiving. We were entering his courts with praise. Did you catch that? He, uh, he entered those gates with thanksgiving. <clears throat> Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Verse 1, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Y'all do that well. We're creating a wonderful culture of praise and worship. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. But did you catch that? Enter his gates. Enter his presence. Get into his foyer with thanksgiving. Come into the open door with praise, with being thankful. Thankful gets me in the open door. Gratitude. I love grateful people. They're just great to be around. God's presence follows thankfulness and praise. If I'm discouraged, get thankful. Sometimes just get out of get. Sometimes you just need to get out a piece of paper and start writing what you're thankful for. It, it's longer list than you think. Bill Johnson wrote a book. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Like, be thankful. Pray your prayer life. How do you pray without ceasing? You can just pray under your breath. You can pray in the spirit under just. Build myself up in my holy faith. Get radical. Build yourself up in your holy gratitude and praise. Read the Psalms. Bill Johnson, he says, and I get discouraged sometimes. I'll just read the Psalms. I'll keep reading, reading, reading. Till I hear his voice. I'll just read till I hear his voice. Till something's alive. Till some verse says, That's me. That's you. So something comes alive. When I get discouraged, 
the Psalms are, are wonderful. Like the David Psalms, like there, there's so many of them that are, they start out like, I'm the scum of the earth, God. You don't, you're not there. You don't listen to me. I don't know who you are. I'm not really happy with you. Then about halfway through, it's like he eats some spinach, like, and his Popeye spinach. Or he goes into a phone booth and comes out with a big S on his chest. Or he gets born again again, and the second half is like, God, you're amazing, I love you. You're the apple of my eye. I don't know, how, how did I ever? And God's like, I love that guy, he's amazing. I think he's kind of schizophrenic. Gratitude and praise. One of the most powerful ways to get out a spirit of discouragement is the prophetic. I have so many friends that aren't in a prophetic culture. I feel sorry for them. Because our culture pulls gold out of people. And, and, and the prophetic words. And uh, the Lord just kissed me in the last month. I hadn't had any really significant prophetic words lately. And I got four in about two weeks. And one of the, I think the one that touched me the most was Heidi Winter. Raise your hand, Heidi. Everybody say hi to Heidi. Heidi. And uh, she called me and said, got to call me. She said, back in the uh, fall of 2007, it's 2007, I believe. And uh, she said, Alan had a dream. She said, Alan never wrote down his dreams. He, you know, that just wasn't who he was, but he... He got up and he typed this dream. And not only did he type it, then he wrote notes at the end, like observations. Like, that's not Alan. Wasn't Alan, was it? And I, I, for the sake of time, I won't go through it. In fact, we're going to have Heidi come to staff meeting and share the dream. But he described in enough detail our property at a cross, he says, at a crossroads of two busy roads, access to Atlanta, it's like a city block, a farm. It just went on and on, enough that I like, he said, I see it, but Steve doesn't. <laughs> Yet, I didn't, how do I see it? I was like, we just started a day earlier. He's already seen our property. Do you think if I'm in discouragement about, taking on responsibilities that aren't mine and how are we going to do this and is that going to work and where is that going to happen? And Do you think the Lord giving me a kiss that a dear friend saw something about what we would be doing and that you found it now when I needed to hear it? It's the kindness of the prophetic. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. He's always good. And so these prophetic, I can remember a few years ago, I was reading a prophetic word. And, uh, you know, there's, for me, there's three places your eyes can go. They can go to navel gazing. I used to be able to see my navel. (laughs) 
It's, so it's there. I know it. <laughs> Navel gazing is not a good place to have your eyes. It can go level, and that's just doing life, reality, like word, uh, and they can go up. Yeah. I, was re- I was reading a prophetic word a friend from California sent. I could feel my spirit man eyes going from my navel as I read it, going up, 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 up. Lindy, Lindy was reading out of the Passion Translation, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. The prophetic lifts up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Who's the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. He's the king of glory. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. The prophetic will lift up your heads. And in this position, things fall off. Things that you're carrying in your head and your body is in this position in the spirit realm. Things you're carrying, you shouldn't be carrying, begin to fall off. That were held on tight when you're looking at your navel. The Lord, through the prophetic, will lift up your heads. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The Lord gave me a theme for a year that's tied to that verse. Gaze upon the Lord. Glance at your business. Glance at that thing that's bothering you. Glance at that concern. Glance at that worry with your child. Glance at that health. Glance at that bill that's going unpaid. Gaze upon the Lord and glance at that concern. It seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's a position. It's a sight line position. You want to get out of discouragement? Get your sight line fixed. And then finally... Sometimes you need to get around people who are carrying an anointing or a strength that you need at that moment. Some people just carry a strength. Some people carry encouragement or joy. Some people carry healing. Some people carry faith or hope. And So just at the right time on the schedule, Wendy and Steve Backlund, who carry hope, showed up. They've only come three times in ten years all three times, I've kind of needed it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, believe me. But he's good. And he had us two services on Saturday and then three hours on Monday night and a couple hours on Tuesday night. I had about seven hours of faith, faith, hope, word of God. Just wash over me. I need it. I'll suck it in. Your spirit man said, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Lift up your head, O ye gates. The word, how does faith come? By hearing. Hearing by the word of God. A lot of word of God. A lot of word of God.
And so, uh, you know, when you, when you need help, you just get humble. Like, okay, I'm, Lord, said, Lord said, I want you to get some disciplines in your life. I'm the boss at work. I, I don't have any disciplines in my life. I can show up when I want to show up. I can call the people I want to call. I can be lazy. I can be hardworking. So you might need a little few disciplines in your life. So I sign up for Abigail's jumpology class. So three days a week, 645, get discipline in my life. Or let's just read this Stephen Wendy Backlund's Igniting Faith for 40 Days. Let's just, very simple, read a devotion, read a chapter in the Bible, start declaring. Build up your faith. So our class, I just said, anybody in the class want to do it? And I asked the staff, anybody want to do this with me? And the response was so strong that um, so I went and bought about 15 or 20 books and handing them out. But if any of y'all would like to join us, I don't really want to buy three or 400 books, but um, just, go, just go on Amazon. It's 12 bucks, and we're going to start tomorrow, and you'll get yours in a few days, and we'll just... Let's do it together if you want to. And we'll build ourselves up in our most holy faith. So his blood, it speaks a better word. Hebrews 12 is talking about, I think, is it Hebrews 12, 24? We'll end with this. You ever notice how preachers say we'll end with this more than once in a sermon? It's another little finding nuggets that you hadn't seen is so much fun. Hebrews 12, 23, the general assembly and the church are the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. What does that mean? I just had a song in my head this week. His blood, it speaks a better word. His blood, it speaks a better word. See, the blood of Abel, remember Abel and Cain and Abel and Cain murdered Abel. It's pretty bizarre that they're the children of Adam and Eve, right? I mean, sin entered the world and one generation later we got a murder. Like it didn't just sort of seep in slowly. And Abel was innocent. And Abel was totally innocent. And the Bible said, you know, his, his blood was screaming for righteousness to the heavens. But his blood, Jesus' blood, speaks a better word. He also was innocent. And his blood sprinkled on the mercy seat. His blood sprinkled on the mercy seat spoke a better word, not a word for justice but a worse for mercy and forgives blood for all who would believe. Our Lord, it speak, his blood, it speaks a better word. It's righteousness to me. 
And so whether it's refining our focus or staying out of the ditch or living by faith, if it's getting a prophetic word, if it's praising, staying for two services and worshiping God until you can't stand up anymore, if it's doing a simple little devotion, maybe it's all of those until you hear God's voice and you run and obey. But whatever it takes, we're restored. We serve a God. We serve a king who says, it's a better word. His blood, it speaks a better word. And he's called us to be reigners in life. He's called us to be righteous. He's called us to be warriors. He's called us to be encouragers. So there's a day for all of us when we need help and we're in the hospital. But he, there's an empty tomb that says we're overcomers by the Lamb of God. And we're the ones who have the word. We're the ones that have an extra dollar. And we're the ones have a word of encouragement. We're the ones that have hands to heal. We're the ones that can speak destiny and future. We're the ones that, there are times when we're down, but the body gets us out and we move from glory to glory. We're the ones. That's who we are. So if you came this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time it is, <laughs> where am I? What are we fighting for? I don't know. If you came this evening discouraged in any way, and you said, Pastor, something you said helped or I need prayer, or I, I want breakthrough, I need encouragement. If you would uh, just stand and come to the front, we're going to minister. If the ministry team would come and help me, the staff would come and help me. Speaks a better word. You know that song? You sing it. Speaks a better word. All the empty claims I've heard of stand this earth. Speaks righteousness for me. It stands in my defense. Jesus is your blood. Let's do that again. Your blood speaks a better word. All the empty claims I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness to me, stand in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood, your cross, it testifies in grace, tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence, it's only by your blood. And what can wash away our sins? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the speak a better word, speaks righteousness to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak to the hearts of your sons and daughters, that you would begin to speak right now. You've already been speaking in the service, some that know they're supposed to do something different, an act of obedience a repentance. Some by faith are just taking a step, bold faith, enough is enough. I start today. It says, be encouraged. Joshua, be courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous, Joshua. And step into the land of promises, says the Spirit of the Lord. You go, discourage ones, be strong, be courageous, be very strong and courageous. And step into the land of promises, the land of the upside down kingdom. The land where you don't fight anymore. Some battles you actually walk around seven times and scream and praise God and the walls come tumbling down. Hear the voice of the Lord. Run and obey when you hear it. Sometimes you yield the sword. Sometimes you scream. Sometimes you dance on injustice. Hear the voice of the Lord. O oh, children of the light, sons of the day, daughters of the light, hear the voice of the Lord. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Pray, just lift up your voice. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Pray in the pray the prayer of faith, the children of faith. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.